Turn it off. There we go. Thank you very much. Uh, so great to uh, be able to share with you tonight. Uh, we aren't strangers to the church, and so uh, it is always a privilege to be able to speak and to share heart, our hearts with you and to minister to you today. And, uh, and uh, recognizing that, uh, that uh, Pastor John and Donna are off enjoying some well-deserved time off, uh, blessings to them. A uh, little bit jealous. I don't know, anybody else? A little bit jealous? I mean, we're getting that mild temperature moment, and we're like, okay, we can handle this. And then all of a sudden, everything went solid again. And how many street, uh, your street went from slush to ruddy mess. So uh, maybe that's you. Uh, the parking lot, probably a little bit that way too. So uh, we're looking forward to spring and looking forward to getting past all this so uh, but being able to uh, be here tonight is a is a real privilege uh, and to share with you and to carry on in this series small book big idea in uh, 1984 through 1996 12 seasons 264 episodes Angela Lansbury starred in an American crime drama called murder she wrote how many know remember that show? Yeah. Da, 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 da. Yeah, yeah, we know it, right? Uh, she played the, the role of murder mystery writer Jessica Fletcher, who often through happenstance finds herself an amateur detective solving murders in her hometown of anyone know the town name? Cabot Cove. Oh, yeah. So Cabot Cove and throughout the U.S. and even around the world. 264 episodes. That meant at least 264 murders. Uh, I don't know about you, but I think it would be a dangerous thing to be friends with Jessica Fletcher. Uh, just feels like everybody drops around her like flies. Well, today I want to, uh, as we continue this series in 1 John, I've subtitled this message today, Murder He Wrote. Uh, because John, the most prolific writer of the love of God, talks about love, yes. Paul, or John talks about love a lot. But he also talks about hate. And as we're going to look at tonight, the outcropping of hate, murder. It's so exciting to be able to talk about hate and murder as we head to Valentine's Day. Isn't it? Uh, you, better, you guys better get something nice for your uh, significant other, or maybe we'll be looking at some new stats next week. So the last few weeks, uh, Pastor Yasmin has talked out of 1 John chapter 3 uh, that we are God's children, that we are loved by Him, that we are given a different nature, that we are, we are born of God's seed, that we are to live, uh, that for us to live in sin is really to live contrary to the new nature and identity that God has given us. Well, now in this chapter 3, we find that John carries uh, this on a little bit further and, as he circles back, if you will, to speak about two things that are really polar opposites, love and hate. And so let's read the passage here together, and then we'll kind of jump in a number of scriptures for you tonight. 1 John chapter 3, verse 11. For this is the message you heard from the beginning, we should love one another. Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one, murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil, and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer, and, we, and you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. This is how we know that what love is. 
Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Cain is, uh, is an interesting character. An interesting story. In fact, he's only mentioned twice in the New Testament. One is in Jude chapter 1, verse 11. It says, in speaking of ungodly people, Jude is writing, he says, Woe to them, they have taken the way of Cain. They've taken the way of Cain. Well, what are you talking about, Jude? Well, well, let's look what else it says. Hebrews eleven four. By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. These are the only two times mentioned of Cain in the New Testament outside of 1 John. But the story of Cain, we find in Genesis chapter 4. Cain was the firstborn of Adam and Eve. You might have heard of them. And, uh, and he was the firstborn of them, and he was the brother of a man named Abel. And so in Genesis chapter 4, and let's look at this here briefly here together. Now, Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. And in the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord, and Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. And the Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. And so Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. And then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door, desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. This is the first recorded case of sibling rivalry, and it's rather extreme. Uh, the worst I had as a kid was, uh, well, let's see, I think I stabbed my brother in the leg with a fork. Uh, he shot me with my pellet gun. Well, he nibbled down a piece of corn, popcorn, shoved it in the air, compressed pellet gun, shot me about three feet away. Uh, I borrowed his motorbike. He didn't like that. So when I was riding my motorbike, he rode over me with his motorbike while I was on my motorbike. My sister chased me with the power head of a vacuum cleaner, and I ran into the bathroom for safety. Anybody ever done that? We had a hole in our bathroom door after that. But other than those things, we loved each other dearly. We were a close, close family, right? Well, we had a lot of anger. We had a lot of hurt, a lot of struggles. And this story of Cain and Abel is a story of anger. It's a story of jealousy, of hate, and yes, of murder. And only four chapters into the Bible, we find this story. Before violent television shows or violent video games could be attributed to it, before wars or disputes, before any political disagreements over COVID, we find a story of hate so strong and so vibrant in the heart of humanity that there would be murder. And here the Apostle John, in speaking about love and hate, reaches back 4,000 years and tells us, hey, Love one another, and by the way, don't be like Cain. Don't be like Cain. Why? Why? What, what is so special about Cain that, that John would look back 4,000 years and tell everybody around him, says, hey, hey, I want you to love one another, but don't be like Cain. I mean, there could have been more current people. Don't be like Johan, whoever Johan is. I have no idea. Don't be like 
Simeon, don't be like, how about, how about people we do read about? How about, don't be like King Manasseh. King Manasseh, one of the most wicked kings in Israel's history, murdered people, streets ran, flowed like rivers of blood. How many read in their Old Testament? That'd be a good one, wouldn't it? Don't be like Manasseh. How about don't be like Joab, the, the right hand of King David, who, who murdered a couple of guys in, 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 in times of peace. Don't be like them. But John, why, why Cain? Well, Cain, the first human born of a woman, the first guy with a belly button. Have you thought of that? He goes right back to the very beginning of all things, and in doing so, he goes past all of the excuses that we can give today as to why we're violent. Well, I'm violent because of society's ills. You know, I'm, all the things that are going on, it's just, you know, that's going on, that's why I have anger issues. Or I have, you know, the reason I am the way I am is because of the abuse that I suffered. You see, you have to recognize what I've been through. Or maybe it's because of the economy and the things that are going on in the world around us. You see, Cain predates it all. You see, the worst thing that Cain could possibly say is that my brother looked at me funny. Abel's offering was accepted and mine wasn't. See, but it's not about those things. It's not about playing victim to circumstances. It's a heart issue. Cain brought an offering and Abel brought an offering. Cain's, Cain's offering was the, the fruits of his labors, the, the, the work of his hands. Abel's was a blood sacrifice, the firstborn of his flock. God was pleased with Abel's sacrifice, but he was not pleased with Cain's. And so what happens? We see that God sees something in Cain's heart. Hey, Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? If you don't do what is right, hey, Cain, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. You must rule over it. Cain, you've got a heart issue, man. There's pride at work there. There's anger, and it's going to eat you up. It's crouching at your door. You've got to deal with this thing. And this is what John is saying to us today. He says, we can give all the excuses in the world, but hey, don't be like Cain, who, though his own actions were evil, his brothers were righteous, he murdered his brother. John says in verse 15, one of, one of the most puzzling verses of today, perhaps for us, that anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. When I saw that verse, I thought, I'm so glad that they asked me to preach this particular passage. It's such a fun verse to try and uh, expand on for you today, but it is an interesting verse. So is John saying if you've committed murder, you can never be saved, that you're eternally uh, you know, outside of God's grace, that, that, that there's no going to heaven for you? Is that what he's saying? No, that's not what John is saying here. He's saying that this isn't a pronouncement, if you will, of, of eternal damnation. What John is saying is that anyone who allows hate to rest or reside or abide in one's heart leaves no room for God's eternal life to reside or abide there. God's life gets crowded out. 
The eternal life of God gets crowded out. You see, to have hate at, at, at home in our hearts, it, 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 it's incompatible, incongruous with, with the love of God. They just can't work together. They don't mesh. They can't coexist. It's like having, having oranges and toothpaste. Have you ever made that mistake? It's horrible. It's terrible. They just don't work together. Unless they make orange-flavored toothpaste, then I guess they can do that. But... But we know this. We, we, we recognize that, that to have hate in our heart and, and the love of God together just don't work. And this is what Pastor Yasmin was speaking on the other day, that to harbor sin in our hearts is really out of alignment with the new identity that we have as the children of God. It just doesn't work. What's interesting, I think, is that John once knew hate. This, this guy that wrote all about love and wrote all about God's love, he once knew hate. In Luke chapter 9, we find an interesting story. They, 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 they want to enter this Samaritan village. And, and the Samaritans, finding out Jesus is going to head to Jerusalem, says, no thanks, uh, you can just keep going on by. And what happens here is that the disciples are kind of, well, a typical Samaritan. Typical, you know, the gall of these, don't they know who they're rejecting? They're rejecting Jesus. The greatest guy ever, the nicest guy, the guy that will heal their diseases. They don't want Jesus around. And so what does John decide? What does John and James do? They, they kind of come up with a great idea. They say, hey, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven and destroy them? I think that that's probably an ineffective form of evangelism. Probably. It's probably not going to work out so well. Not the best way to witness. Evidently, John hadn't connected the dots on something Jesus said a few chapters earlier in Luke chapter 6. He says, A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. John, what are you saying? What? what and Jesus rebukes John for a statement that he would want to call down fire and destroy a people over the rejection of Jesus. I think years later now, John's able to look back on his life a bit. Recognize I had some stuff, I had some heart problems. I had some stuff going on there. And so John, John asks the question, what's really, really in this passage, he's asking us, what, what's abiding, what's residing in your heart? Is there hate there? What's, what's eating at you? What's, what's crouching at your door? What's, what's at home there? Well, flip on the news. Turn the channels a few times. Flip on social media. Go scrolling, scrolling, throwing. There, there's no shortage of things to be angry about right now. It's just chock full right now. Some are angry with our politicians. Some are angry with the ones who are angry with our politicians. Some are angry that the people that are angry aren't angry enough or that they should be angrier. It's just a constant cycle. Or perhaps jealousy. No one here has ever been jealous, I know, because you're all saints. But, but you know, if, if you did struggle with jealousy like some of those other people out there, we would know that there's no shortage of jealousy in the world. Or, or rage. Have, have, have you ever seen someone? Of course, you're driving fully innocent and they are just having a rage fit. 
You've never cut anyone off, but they cut you off. We all know rage. We, we, know, we know what it's like to slander as well, to cut down someone. These are all things we've dealt with. These are all things that we've struggled with. And it's into this that Jesus takes it a step further. Matthew chapter 5, verse 21, 22, he says, You've heard it was said, people long ago, you shall not murder. That's right. It's one of the commandments. Thou shalt not kill. But Jesus takes it a step further. He says, And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who's angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka is, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, You fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. What does Raka mean? Well, we don't exactly know. It's an Aramaic term for contempt. Jesus kind of ups the level. You ever notice Jesus does that, does that a few times? He talks to the heart. He wants to get to the heart of the issue. Not just about letter of the law here, but, but what's happening in the heart. The Apostle Paul, he says it this way in Ephesians 4, verse 17. So I tell you this, and I insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. Now, verse 25. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for you are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're angry. Don't give the devil a foothold. Verse 32 and 31, 32. Get rid of all bitterness and rage and anger and brawling and slander along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. This is, this is a tough message tonight. It was really quiet. I've cracked some really good jokes tonight and nobody's really even laughed because that's how heavy the message feels. Thank you. <laughs> Need to lighten things a little bit here. What is Paul saying? What is Jesus saying? He's saying, don't live as the Gentiles. Don't live like Cain. Don't let these things, these, these, these attitudes, these aspects of anger and malice and rage and, and contempt and slander, don't let these things rule in your heart. Don't let them push out the love of God. Why? 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 What's the big deal about this? Well, Pretty significant, actually. It has eternal consequences. Verse 14 of 1 John 3. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love one another, and anyone who does not love remains in death. Ouch! John's kind of hitting us really, really hard with this verse here. So say that this stuff has eternal consequences. That which we nurse within us, that which we, we allow to fester, if we let the enemy have that foothold, it can have an eternal consequence to our lives. And so John talks about love, and he talks about hate, he talks about life, and he talks about death, and he tells us there's really two ways. There's the way of Cain, and we've talked about that. We can live in the way of Cain, and we can allow the devil to have a foothold. We can, we can allow that sin that's crouching at our door to, to master us, or we can go the way of Christ. The way of Cain or the way of Christ? Well, what is the way of Christ? Well, verse 16 says it this way. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. 
So, so, so let's do a bit of a comparative. I got a comparative slide for you here. And we, and we see that the way of Cain and the way of Christ, well, the way of Cain is self-serving. It's all about Cain. It's all about how his offering was received or wasn't received. And Jesus, his way is, is self-sacrificing. It's, it's to lay down his life for others. You see, Cain took a life, but Jesus lays down his life. The way of Cain is prideful. The way of Christ is humble. The way, the way of Cain is, is, is about jealousy. He wanted what his brother had. He wanted that approval. The way of Christ is generosity. If you, in fact, if you look at verse 17, it'll say that if everyone has material possessions, sees a brother, sister in need, has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? He talks about being generous, showing love. The way of Cain is violent and angry. The way of Christ is joy and peace. Some of you might, might notice here on this little table, I've got a couple of, of clear glasses of fluid. And I use the word fluid because one is water and one is white vinegar. And, and one, is, one is going to refresh you, the other not so much. One, one is going to be something that, that, that maybe you say, hey, you know, I want to I have a drink right now. Would anybody just like to seriously take one of these glasses and just drink of your own free volition without taking a smell first? No takers? Oh, we do have one. I could, I, I, maybe I should, I'm not sure. They both look the same, don't they? They both look the same. In fact, if, if, if you were to, to look at them, you can't see a difference between them. They, the, the, the ladies that put it together even like put it about the same amount in each one. And this is kind of like us. Each one of us here, we, we can look just like everybody else. We can have the same appearance. We can, we can put on a smile behind our mask and come to church. We can, we can shake hands. We can talk about all kinds of things and, 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 and be exactly just like everybody else around us. We can do that. Now, now, and nobody else can maybe even know what it is that, that's really going on inside. That is until someone bumps us. That is until we spill. That is until the, the fluid within begins to slosh out in some variety and suddenly, suddenly we can tell. We're either refreshed or we're not. We're either encouraged or we're torn down. We're either, we, we're either, we either receive something and we say, okay, you know, that, that person is, is legit. That person's not just dressed nice, but they're nice on the inside as well. Or, or they're sour. Maybe you get it in your eyes and it stings. Maybe you, you, you get doused with it and you just, you take on that fragrance. I want to ask us tonight, what are you? What's, what's on the inside? What's taking place in your heart? And in case anybody actually does want to smell later, I literally do have vinegar in one of those. 
but you can't tell by looking at it. But you can tell when somebody gets bumped, and we all get bumped, and what's inside comes out, and the contents of our heart are revealed in our actions. This is why John closes this passage, this section, by saying, Dear children, verse 18, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Not just in words, but in actions. You know, as I was thinking about Cain, I was thinking 4,000 years back before John wrote these words, and 6,000 years about from now, from us to them, to then. And I was thinking as, as God approached Cain that day and talked to him and spoke to Cain, I, I, I don't know if, you know, maybe it's just the dad in me that's seen this happen in my kids. But we can have these moments where, 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 where we talk and we try to correct behavior, we try to speak to something, and, and our kid is nodding in agreement the whole time. Have you had those moments, parents? Hey, 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 Cain, Cain. Cain, come on, man. Why, why are you angry? If you do what is right, you, you, you'll be accepted. Do you understand that, Cain? Yeah. Yeah, I know. I know. And, and Cain, you know, sin's crouching at your door. You've got to guard your heart, man. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. Hey, Cain, you matter to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you understand everything I've said to you, Cain? Yeah, 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 I, I, I hear. I hear, yeah. And God... Let's him be. And Cain looks over and says, Hey, Abel, want to go for a walk? See, friends, the, the only person that we're fooling around walking with anger and hate in our hearts is ourselves. God sees it. Others might see it too. Because it's going to come out. It's going to come out in moments where, where, where maybe you, you think you're hiding it pretty well. And, and that person said, wow, I met that person. We became friends on Facebook. And then I started scrolling through their Facebook and whoa. Or, or, or you know, we're, we're hanging out and all of a sudden like this, you know, this different person just suddenly appeared. And John is telling us tonight, 2,000 years after he wrote these words, there's a better way than that of Cain. There's a better way than Cain. For this is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. We should love one another. I want to invite the worship team to come. And as they do tonight, we're going to be doing a couple things yet tonight. Uh, I want to invite each one here, if you'd be willing to just stand with me for a moment. And I want to lead you in prayer. And then the other thing that we're going to do is we're going to worship a little bit, give you a little time to, to just talk with the Lord about it during a time of worship. And then Pastor Jordan's going to come and he's going to lead us in communion. And if you haven't had a, received a communion emblem, a cup with the wafer, there's some at the back or they'll, they'll be making those available to you. But friends, as, as we close here in this message today, there are people here in this room who know exactly what I've been talking about. You know because you've been, you've been struggling with this. You've been struggling with your anger. You've been struggling with, with, with your feelings on, on 
maybe it's politics and lots of anger on politics right now, but maybe it's, maybe it's a marriage. Maybe it's a relationship with your kids. Maybe it's people in this room or people in that church that you used to go to. And it's, it's just been eating you up. Anger has been deep in the roots of your heart. You've been struggling maybe with fear or with jealousy. Maybe, maybe you've been having trouble with, with how you speak about others, slander and gossip. And, and you realize that sin has been crouching at your door. It's there. And it's pushed out joy. It's, it's robbed you of peace and rest. And, and, and almost to a degree at times, friends, you know, when, we're, when we struggle with this anger and we struggle with all this, the, the bitterness and the, and, 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 and the things that we wanted to say and do, it's almost addicting. We almost feel like there's certain pleasure with being angry. To have hate in our heart. Almost feels good. But it's pushing out the life of God in you. It's pushing out the peace of God in you. And it's time, friends, to let this stuff go because it is not going to serve you well. And if you're honest with yourself today, you'd say, you know, love is, if I, if I was to say, I've got Valentine's Day coming, but love is not the marker of my life. If people were to describe me, I might not use that four-letter word. It might be a different one. Friends, it's time to stop following the way of Cain. It's time to move from self-serving, from pride, from jealousy, from anger, and tonight's a good night because tonight is an opportunity to lay all that down before Jesus. To lay it all down. See, if anyone had the right to be angry with us, it was Jesus. If anyone had that right, it was him. But, but what did he do? He didn't choose the way of anger. He says, Jesus laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. With all that Jesus went through, I don't think we really read of him being anxious and frazzled per se. He knew anger, but he, ang he, would, he had anger without sin. He had a righteous anger, but he was never vengeful, never petty. And he invites us to live like him. And so I want to lead you in prayer. And I just want to encourage you in this time. This, is gonna, this, is, this has nothing really to do with me here tonight. It's all about between you and the Lord. What's living on the inside? What, what's home there? Let's make a good trade tonight. God, I'm going to give you my anger. I'm going to give you my hate, my, my slander, my jealousy, all those things that are, that are lodged on the inside, that foothold that the devil has. I'm going to give it all to you tonight. I'm going to make a great trade and take on your life and your peace, your joy, your hope. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you that you really showed us a different way through Jesus that you could have wiped the map of all humanity and just been done with us, but God, you love us. And in your love, you sent Jesus to model love for us and to show us the way to the Father. 
But God, we're, we're an imperfect people and we struggle. We struggle with, with, with our feelings, our emotions. We, we have things that tick us off. We have things that, that drive us crazy, Lord. And sometimes we allow those things to fester in us and to take root in us, Lord. And we, and we don't know how to break the cycle sometimes. So we invite you, God, in this moment to break that cycle in us. God, because I don't want my life to be marked by anger and hate and, and vengeance and self-justification and all these things, Lord God. I don't want my words to be all complaint and worry and fear and apprehension. God, I want to live different. And I believe that's the heart desire of others in this room. And so God, would you forgive us when we've walked in the way of Cain and we've killed people with our words. We've, uh, we've acted in ways that have been less than stellar. We've chosen God to, to exalt ourselves and to pursue our own interests rather than to live like Jesus who laid down his life for us. And so, Lord, as the Apostle Paul had said, get rid of all these things. God, tonight we get rid of them. We lay them down at the foot of Jesus tonight. We lay it all down because you see it as it is. You see it even more than we do, but we lay it down. And we say, God, would you forgive us for this stuff? And God, would you instead give us your peace? Would you where there has been anger and, and, and malice and rage, jealousy and fear, contempt, God, would you, would you replace that with your life, the eternal life of God? Would you shift our mindset and our eyes, Lord, from our temporary realities to the internal goodness that you have for us? And so we ask, forgive us, Lord cleanse us, Lord, and fill us with your life, with your love. In Jesus' name, amen.